0: This is 99% Invisible. I'm Roman Mars. Every day, workers at grocery stores and convenience stores in Montana carry out a sad ritual. First thing I do when I come on in is I go check the rotation on my milk and check my dates, of course. That's Ken Carson. He's a dairy manager at a grocery store in Montana. And every day when he gets in, he checks the sell-by date on his milk. If it's past the date, the milk must be thrown out. These are all 20s that I'm pulling off. This one is dated the 18th, and I will have to pour this one down the drain. I have probably six of them. Ken is originally from Washington State, where he also worked in the grocery business. When I came here four years ago, I had no idea that they were pouring down as much milk down the drain as they have been. Uh, In fact, it was repulsive and sickening the first uh, couple weeks here. It was hundreds of gallons. There's nothing wrong with it.
1: Pouring out milk happens, to some extent, in grocery stores all over the country.
0: That's reporter Meredith Hottnott.
1: But Montana throws much more of it down the drain than most places, because the sell-by date on the milk is required by state law to be just 12 days after pasteurization.
0: The industry standard is 21 days.
1: After these 12 days, Montana law requires that the milk be thrown away. It can't be sold... Or donated seems such a waste. We've got families that are in need, and we're doing this.
0: Montana is throwing out so much milk. In fact, the price of milk there is about two dollars per gallon higher than it is in surrounding states.
1: And it's all because of the state label. In theory, Montana's strict state label law is about food safety and protecting the consumer. But it hasn't been updated since the 80s
0: date labels of course aren't just on milk they're on a lot of products
2: use by sell by best by best if used by um but then some products that expires on or like have an exp which you know is a shorthand for expires this is emily broadlieb director of the food law and policy clinic at harvard law school She did a tally of all the different kinds of date labeling. What we found was that 41 states required a date label on at least some food product. She says there are huge inconsistencies, not just in the wording, but in the
1: meaning of these labels. Some states require them only on dairy, some on shellfish some on any perishable foods.
2: And then 20 of those states actually restrict the sale or donation of food after the date. Some of them are quite strict. Some of them like flat out ban the sale or donation of food after the date. And some of them just say, we're going to make it complicated.
1: The powers that be have definitely succeeded in making it complicated to decipher these dates or to know how to act on them, for large retailers
2: and individual consumers alike. This is a bad system, it's not making people safer, it's leading to food waste, and the dates really aren't safety-based. That's right. The date labels on our food are not about
1: food safety, and they were never actually meant to be.
0: But let's back up. It all began in the 1970s. Americans had moved farther away from their food sources. They were eating more packaged foods and getting more of their food in supermarkets.
1: And they wanted a way to measure how fresh their food was.
0: Most manufacturers already put encrypted dates on their products to help retailers rotate stock.
1: And consumers craved access to this information. In
0: 1977, the New York State Consumer Protection Board published a booklet called Blind Dates, How to Break the Codes on the Foods You Buy. The booklet told consumers how to decipher the encrypted date codes on their favorite products. The board distributed more than 10,000 copies and posted the booklet in supermarkets.
1: Eventually, consumers started to demand that these dates be put clearly on packages, that they shouldn't have to get a special book and decipher a code.
0: And that seems pretty reasonable.
2: Consumers asked for it. date labels, so retailers and grocery stores responded. But at that time, everyone acknowledged this is really about quality and about freshness. No one said, I want a label because I'm afraid it won't be safe. So a few states began to regulate these date labels. Massachusetts was the first state that actually required date labels on food.
0: But there was no federal level regulation, even though there were a number of attempts.
2: In one Congress, I think from 1973 to 75, there were 10 bills on date labeling standardization. None of them passed. Lawmakers disagreed about what the system should look like and who should oversee it. The Food and Drug Administration has actually said, we could do this, we, we, you know, we have the power to do it for the foods we oversee. But since these labels were about freshness and not about safety, ultimately, the FDA said, It's not something we want to spend the time and energy on.
0: Still, consumers wanted freshness dates, so all kinds of different ones popped up. Some were stamped on, some printed on the label. There was no consistency in how this information was displayed or the language that was used.
2: Use by, sell by, best by, best if used by, expires on, eXp.
0: Some companies even tried to promote these dates to sell their products. Like, hey buy Pepsi because it's going to give you that date to tell you it's fresher than all the other soft drinks. Some things just don't need a date stamped on them to tell you how fresh they are.
1: Not so with diet colas, until now. Now, Diet Pepsi introduces freshness dating from Diet
2: Pepsi.
1: Some date labels were meant for consumers, while others were just meant for retailers. And as is still true now, there were no clear definitions for any of the phrases. No consistency even within the same brand or product. Dates could differ from state to
2: state manufacturer to manufacturer, or store to store.
0: And over the years, we've lost track of what these labels meant in the first place.
2: As time goes on and on, and more and more people grow up just being used to having labels on their food, no no one's ever said to them what they mean and what they don't. So, we've made some false connections. So people in their head have made this link and thought, well, I heard about someone getting salmonella or E. coli, and I see this label on my food, and these two things are somehow connected to one another. But Emily
1: says, as much as we might want them to, these dates are not going to tell us if our
2: food will make us sick. People keep saying, well, but I just want to know when it will be safe until it's scientifically impossible to sort of say there's a date after which it will become unsafe.
0: Milk is actually a good example of this.
2: If you run a few errands on a hot day before getting
1: your milk home, your milk will spoil faster. And once it's in the fridge, it'll last longer at, say, 35 degrees than at 40 degrees. There's just
2: too many variables.
0: But here's the thing about spoiled milk.
2: Spoiled milk doesn't mean it has pathogens in it.
0: That's because the harmful pathogens in milk are removed during the pasteurization process, along with most other bacteria.
1: The big misconception around date labels is that people think that old food will make them sick. But for the most part, old food doesn't make you sick. Contaminated food does.
0: The longer a carton of milk exists, the more chance it has to come into contact with contaminants that could grow and flourish inside that milk and hurt you. But as long as it's properly pasteurized, there's nothing about the age specifically that makes milk dangerous to drink.
1: There is, however, a small handful of foods that can become unsafe with age.
0: Deli meats, unpasteurized cheeses, smoked seafood, stuff in the deli section of the grocery store, basically.
1: These foods have a high risk for listeria, a bacteria that can be life-threatening. And in these cases, listeria risk does increase with time. But our current date-labeling system doesn't treat this small subset of foods any differently than any
2: other date-labeled item.
0: Most date labels are arrived at by conducting taste tests.
2: They sit people around a table, and then they have everyone eat their product. Say it's yogurt.
1: They taste a batch made that day. And then they taste some from the day before and the day before
2: that. And they say, well, how, what did you think? Was it good? Was it tasty? Did it have the properties you expect from yogurt or whatever the product is? And when the manufacturer comes to a batch that people say, I don't really like the way this tastes, they say, OK, well, after that many days, our product's not going to be at its peak. And that's where the date really comes from.
0: So the dates on our food are arrived at through a taste test or sometimes, especially with smaller companies, they just guess.
2: They've said, you know, I feel awful about it, but we don't have money to bring in and do this whole taste test. We just, you know, we look online for an estimate of what this, you know, how long this food will be fresh. Or we just kind of say like, well, you know, I only keep it in my refrigerator for three days, so I'll put three days on it. There's, some of them are very unscientific about where that date actually comes from.
1: And yet today, according to a report that Emily Broadlieb co-authored, a majority of consumers believe that eating food past its sell by or use by date is a risk to their health. And as many as ninety percent of Americans throw out food based on date labels, at least occasionally.
0: We're throwing out billions of pounds of food here in America simply because of misunderstanding of those code dates.
1: This is Doug Rao, former president of Trader Joe's. He's been in the grocery business for more than forty years. In 2015, he founded Daily Table a non-profit retail store that sells pre-made meals sourced from food that would otherwise be wasted.
2: We
0: waste a staggering amount of food. The average American wastes somewhere between 20 and 25% of the food they acquire. And it's not just wasting the food, it's wasting the water to grow it, the transportation to get it to the supermarket, everything that goes into getting food to your plate.
1: Doug and Emily both say that to make date labels serve us better and to waste less food, we need to consider the language we're using. Sell by, use by, enjoy by, like what does that mean, you know? And the idea of an expiration date is problematic too.
0: If something's expired, it's dead. If your credit card's expired, it's dead, you can't use it. Heaven forbid your dog expired, you know, uh, there's no more life. Well, no one's interested in expired food. No one's interested in eating dead food. I actually prefer most of my food dead, but the point is this. When food is perceived as inedible, you can't do anything with it. Nobody wants to eat it, and you can't give it to a food pantry. And a lot of states have laws that actually forbid the donation of so-called expired food.
1: Emily suggests only using the term expired for foods that actually do become unsafe with time. Those unpasteurized cheeses and deli meats.
0: For everything else, she would go with best if used by.
1: So there would be two labels expires on, and best if used by. And this would be a standardized system used all across the country.
0: Creating standardized, easy-to-understand date labels is a design problem that must have a design solution. Maybe Emily's suggested labels, or maybe something else entirely. The fix doesn't seem like it should be that hard. And yet...
2: Most of the time when we say, this is an issue, it needs to change, people say, I agree, it's a terrible issue. But then people really get stuck up on, well, which phrase should we use, and how do we decide which foods have which one?
0: These are the very same questions that tied up regulation the first time around in the 1970s. But the stakes are different this time, because food waste is now a part of a national conversation.
1: The EPA and USDA announced a goal to cut food waste in the U.S. in half by 2030. And having a better date labeling system is one way to get there. But for now, Emily is happy to help settle your more micro level disputes.
2: Basically, the answer is trust your taste, not the date. So, the story that I heard most from friends, from family, from colleagues, and I continue to hear now is that, you know, there's someone says, I'm so glad you put this report out because I've been telling my wife for years that the dates don't matter, and now I'm really vindicated, or, you know, vice versa.
0: So instead of arguing over date labels, you should take part in that other ritual that happens between spouses in front of the refrigerator, where you open up a dodgy carton of something or other and ask, does this smell okay to you? 99% 99% Invisible was produced this week by Meredith Hotnot and Katie Mingle with Avery Truffleman, Sam Greenspan, Kurt Colstead, and me, Roman Mars. The tape you heard at the beginning of the story with the Montana grocer was collected by the Harvard Food Law and Policy Clinic and Racing Horse Productions for a short film they produced about date labels. Special thanks to Rebecca Richmond-Cohen and Nathaniel Hansen. We are a project of 91.7 KALW, San Francisco, and produced out of the offices of ArcSign, an architecture and interiors firm in beautiful downtown Oakland, California. ArcSign is hiring brilliant architects to join their team. Ask yourself this. Would you rather work for a normal architecture and interiors firm, or would you rather work for a creative and collaborative architecture and interiors firm who invited a bunch of radio makers to produce a podcast out of their offices? I think you know the answer. They're looking to fill two or three positions with anywhere from two to 12 years experience. If you're interested, send your CV and a small work sample to design at arcsign.com. If you want to hear more cool stories about food, try Gastropod. Each episode tells the story of a particular food topic through the lens of science and history. You are guaranteed to learn something new every episode, like the fact that the world's first ice cream recipe contained whale poop. It's hosted by Cynthia Graber and Nicola Twilley. You heard Nicola's story here on the reefer, refrigerated shipping containers, and she led Sean Cole through her obsession with cow tunnels. Check it out. You can find it at gastropod.com or at iTunes or all the usual places. Support for 99% Invisible is provided by Harvest. Harvest is made for creative people who do things. My boy Maslow is always doing something. How are you going to spend 2016, Maslow? I'm going to spend at least 20 minutes of the day reading. I'm going to spend a lot of time at school. So what are you going to spend the rest of your time doing? Being awesome. And do you think you have time to fit into your schedule doing some animated... Lego movies this year? Definitely. Harvest Forecast is a visual way to plan your team's time across projects. You'll know who's available for incoming work, and the team will know what they're working on today, tomorrow, and in the distant future. Learn more with a free trial at getharvest.com slash forecast. Support is also provided by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform. Squarespace sites look professionally made regardless of your skill level with no coding required. They have intuitive and easy-to-use tools, and they're trusted by millions of people and some of the most respected brands in the world. Plus, you get a free domain if you sign up for a year. Start your free trial site today with no credit card required at Squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure you use the offer code INVISIBLE to get 10% off your first purchase. That's Squarespace.com and use the offer code INVISIBLE. Squarespace. Build it beautiful. And finally, the reason why this show and Radiotopia exist is because of the generosity of our listeners, the Knight Foundation of Miami, Florida, and MailChimp. Even if you aren't a podcaster, communication with your clients or your customers or your community is essential. And that's what MailChimp is for. No matter what your mission or the size of your enterprise, MailChimp is the service that will fit your needs. To find out how MailChimp can work for you, go to MailChimp.com and start sending better email. During the sustaining member drive, we promised 99pi challenge coins that we estimated would be delivered sometime in February or March. I ended up ordering 18,000 coins, and each had to be hand polished and painted and put in a little pouch. And I'm pleased to report that the first set of 2,500 is going out this week, and we'll keep chugging along on the rest. I can't wait to get it. Be sure to send me a pic and a coin check on Twitter at Roman Mars or on the Facebook page. That's where you can keep up with all the 99pi news. But the best way to listen to all the old episodes and see pictures and get more of the story is the old-fashioned way at 99pi.org. Radio-topia.